We, yeah, applaud that. It's awesome. We, um, uh, we wanted to show you that story because uh, what we're doing is taking a couple weeks and uh, we're talking about um, kind of a new day and a new chapter here at Grace. And we opened this up last week. And we said, uh, we're kind of done. Like the last couple of years have been chaotic and brutal with everything that's happened. And we're like, we've survived those, we walked through that. But we just decided we're moving forward. And we're moving forward uh, with, a, with a fresh vision and a passion, but it's anchored in some of what God has done th- for us and through us in the past, some of the things that we felt called to. And one of those things, the big part of that, is, uh, is all in, all out. And All In, All Out was a a vision effort that we started in 2019. Uh, This is the fourth and final year of it. We're rounding third and heading home with it. And we haven't really got to talk about it a ton the last couple of years. And I wanted to get it back out in front of us because it's, it really is defining uh, kind of our ministry efforts and, and what we're doing as we move forward. So last weekend, we talked about Restore Recovery uh, Ministries for opioid recovery. And that's was a big part of All In, All Out. We raised a lot of money and built a recovery center. And uh, those guys are here every weekend. And it's incredible what God's doing in their life. Another part of that All In, All Out effort is our internship and residency program. And John is, is a part of that. And that intern and residency program is meant to create ministry leaders and I'm going to talk to you here in a bit about uh, why we do that and how we do that. But uh, what that program is, is we start connecting with kids coming out of high school. And Grace Church has a fully accredited undergrad degree program. We only have one degree. It's in ministry. Uh, but it's fully accredited. And uh, kids coming out of high school can be a part of that. There's about 60, 60 65 students in that program right now. Some of them are our interns and your all in all out giving helps to finance that. Interns are part-time employees and full-time students. So it's a work study that the, the kids can go through. And then a resident, we also have a fully accredited master's degree program. So it's like getting a master's degree from Ohio State. So it's fully accredited. And residents are full-time employees of Grace Church and full-time students. You think like a medical resident. It's, a, it's a, a work study. And the reason that we're doing that is so that when these kids graduate, we want them to be trained. We want them to be deeply educated. We want them to be grounded in theology and doctrine. And then we want them to go to like Mexico and be a missionary. And that's really, really difficult to do with $100,000 of student loans. Or we want them to be a part of a church plant team and be bivocational. And so we just looked and said, if we could beat kind of the cost of an education, help the kids be trained in ministry as they go through, but then deliver them to a place where they could go into ministry, we felt like we needed a strategy to do that. So we've been doing that for a few years. And our students are starting to graduate And we're starting to see more and more of them head to the mission field, head into Grace Church church plants, and head into different ministries throughout the kingdom of God all over the place. So that's a part of All In, All Out. 
And uh, the, we're taking the time to walk that through again. This, this is a reason why uh, throughout COVID, there's been transition, there's been growth of the church. So about 25% of us were not here when, co- when uh, All In, All Out happened. It's been through the COVID era that that's happened. And so we want you to know about that passion and we want you to be invited into that passion. We had uh, 1,004 different families commit to being a part of All In, All Out in 2019. And we want to open up those invitations for other people to hear about it, to be a part of it, to invest yourself in it, to be a part of it financially as we continue to move forward. Um, And so this is a part of who we are. It's part of how we function as a church and it's something that we want you to know about. So I wanna do something before I get into our conversation this weekend. I wanna invite you to come out and to hear about All In, All Out and to consider being a part of it. And on your app, if you go to the church's app, you go there, there's a window there that you can click on. I'm doing some receptions that are gonna start here in a couple of weeks. And I'm gonna sit down with everybody who wants to hear about what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's things like Restore, it's our internship and residency program, and then next weekend we'll talk more about our sports ministry, which is that big building going up that's over there. But guys, these are some of the most exciting things that you'll ever be a part of, and God uses them in great, great ways. And if you're a part of Grace Church, if in the last couple of years, if you've said, you know what, I am home, this is my church family, I believe God wants to use me here, then I want you to at least find out what's going on with All In, All Out and maybe even consider being a part of it. So hit that app and sign up for that and come out and you get to hang out with me and there'll be like bites of cheesecake. You cannot absolutely beat that for a great evening. Uh, But I want you to be a part of it. I want you to know about it. We also have in your chairs, we kicked off last week, a 21 day prayer initiative where we're just praying through. That's how we start all these things. We did this a couple years ago where we're praying through that God uses these efforts and empowers his church. And so I want you to be a part of that too. So if you didn't grab that last week, grab it. Use that cling to remind you to pray. And uh, we want you to, uh, to be a part of, of all of that, okay? All right, now, let's talk about some of the reasons why we do this. So when you think about like interns and residents or leadership development, those kind of things, why would a local church give so much money and time and energy to do something like that. And what I wanna do this, this weekend is I wanna give you a vision and an understanding of how Jesus defines and sees a local church and how that shows up in our lives. The reason that this investment is so important to us is because of our understanding of how Jesus works and what he's called his church to do. So here at Grace, when we think about the local church, we look and say the local church was Jesus's idea. He began it or gave birth to it in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. We know the, like the day that the church started and it's his plan moving forward. And the way that we look at a church is we would look and say, church is something that is unique from God that is entrusted to his people but it's not just for us. I like to say it this way, Jesus did not give his church to the church alone, he gave his church to the world. So the point of the church is not to do church stuff. 
The point of the church is not to keep traditions or, or to uh, have insider conversations or just to be like obsessed with each other. The point of the church is that the glory of Christ or the message of Jesus is proclaimed to the world around us through his church. So when I accept Jesus, my sins are forgiven, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, and I, am, I become a part of the spiritual body called the church. And when I become a part of that, that means the mission of Jesus' church and the purpose of Jesus' church is something that's to show up in my life in very, very real ways. So God didn't give the church to the church alone. He gave the church to the world. He gave the church to the world so that people who, who are hoping for hope can find it through what we would call the local church. Okay, now... I wanna try this makes sense to you, and I'm, I'm gonna give you like a, a big lesson on what church is and why it's important and how it plays out in your life, but I want you to understand this on a, on a personal level. So I'm gonna show you why the efforts of Grace Church, how they play in a larger and biblical and eternal context, but I want you to see how this shows up in somebody's life, okay? So I'm gonna take a poll real quick. So if, if you have come to Grace Church for any amount of time, uh, and even if you're watching at home, raise your hand and just you and the cat will know what's going on, which is a different issue. We'll talk about discipleship later. But, but uh, think of it this way. If you came to Grace Church, to the, the organizational, the family organization of Grace Church, and Grace Church has taught you more about Jesus or has positively affected your life or helped Jesus make sense, I want you just to raise your hand real quick right? If you're glad you came to Grace Church. Okay, now that's important. So you would say, when I started interacting with Grace Church, Grace is one of many wonderful churches. So we're not the only good church, we're just one of many, but we're the, we're the one that I'm talking to right now. So if you said, when I came to Grace Church, God used the church in my life. He used the sermons, he used the music, he used the kids program, he used the counseling, he used friendship. When I interacted with Grace Church, I felt like God showed up in my life in some way, okay? This is what I want you to understand. I want us to take a look this weekend and I want you to understand how the church showed up in your life. Because for most of us, when we think about the church, we think about it in the context of our own lives. I like Grace Church, the pastor's sexy, the music's great, and it's like convenient, right? I, I, can, I can get there easily and it's the one that I prefer. That's how we would think about the church. That's not necessarily how God would think about the church. And I want you to see that Jesus, through his eternal plan, utilizing his church, brought the message of his salvation and the hope and the help and the power of his local church into your living room, so to say, or into your life. And he did all of that on purpose by telling the church and showing the church how to work in the way that he wants it to work. And the process that he used to bring the church into your personal life is tied to the mission that as the church we have going forward, okay? And I want us to get our head around this. And I can tell you that if, if we don't get our head around this, then Grace Church will never make sense. 
we, it'll never make sense why we do what we do, why we push the way we push, why we raise money, why we have new initiatives. And so this is an important part of your relationship with God. If you've never thought this through before, or if you're newer in your relationship with God, I want you to understand that this is a part of what it means to follow Jesus. So following Jesus is loving Jesus and knowing his word, interacting with his people, but it's also being on this eternal mission through the church. Jesus would look and say, that's what my people do, and that's how I I want them to, to function, okay? So why do you feel this impact in your life? Why would you raise your hand and say, yeah, I felt that, and it showed up in my life some way. How did that happen, okay? That happened because the people of God read the same book that you read and that I read. They looked at the Bible, God's word, and they saw in there God's heart and God's plan. And God's heart and God's plan looks like this. These are my words, but you'll get the picture, okay? God's heart and God's plan looks like this. It looks like disciples making disciples, So people who have encountered Jesus now interacting with other people who need to encounter Jesus. And one of the main things that Jesus told the church to do was he told his disciples, which is you, if you're a Christ follower, to make disciples. I want you to do this. We call it the Great Commission. Jesus' words, he says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So at the very core, the very foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that you would wake up in the morning as a follower of Jesus and say, I need to be a part of making a disciple. Somebody did that for me. They told me about the gospel. They taught me about God's word. They invited me to church. They taught my Sunday school class. However that happened, that process was done for me. Now I'm going to be a part of doing that process for somebody else. So as a follower of Christ, disciples make disciples. Now this is what happens. In the Bible, you start to see a pattern then. You have individuals reaching individuals and what happens in the scripture then is those individuals turn into groups. So the pattern is disciples make disciples, they form groups and those groups make Groups, we call it biblical community here at Grace. Sometimes we call it life groups. Sometimes we call it Bible study. Sometimes we go, there's a bunch of different ways that we do it. But it's groups of people creating new groups of people for the cause of following Jesus. This is what the early church did. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's Bible study, accountability, life groups, and to fellowship, that's sharing life together, and to sharing meals, that's sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to pray. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. So individuals would tell individuals about Jesus and train other individuals about Jesus. And then groups, they would turn into groups. And then those groups would form other groups. And they would say things like, there's too many kids in our basement, we need to split up, right? Habakkuk, why don't you guys start leading a group over there? Because they were all Jewish, right? So they, they would go through that and disciples would make disciples, groups make groups, okay? What happened then as you go through the scripture 
is that as those individuals would, would connect with each other and they would meet with each other, they began to function in a manner that we would think of as church, right? So they would look and say, disciples make disciples, groups make groups, and then they started to gather, the groups would gather, and they started to function in a manner that we would call church, and this is all through the, the New Testament. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus, when you assemble, they often called it the assembly or the gathering. I'll be with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, when you assemble, let all things be done for edification. If a man comes into your assembly, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And these disciples would make disciples and these groups would make groups and those groups would meet together on the first day of the week and they would start to function in a way that we would think of as a church. And they would gather together and there would be the teaching of God's word there would be the fellowship of the believers. So how you doing? How's your health? How's the kids? How about those browns? The whole nine yards. And then they would practice the practices of the church. They would worship together. They would do communion together. They would serve together. They would take an offering and they would invest it into the community. All of those things started to play out as the church was formed and the church was built. As that started to play out then, Disciples would make disciples, groups would make groups. They started to function in the way that we would think of as church. And then they settled into the pattern that we've kind of settled into. And that pattern is, is that churches began making churches. And when you read the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, all the way through Acts chapter 28, one church would make another church, would make another church, and they would make another church. And they had a process to it that they would go through that they knew was from the Lord. The first thing that they would start to do is they would train up leaders to train up leaders. So they would say, we have this church now. We have all these people. We have people that just accepted Christ. People have been following Jesus for a while. We got disciples, disciple and people. We got groups meeting. It's gotten bigger. It's functioning as a church. We should train up leaders to go start other churches and the apostle Paul would give directives like this. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And we would look and say, well, that's what a church does. Everything from training volunteer leaders to an internship program to a residency program. It is the work of the church to train up other leaders, not just to lead in life or not just to lead in a program, but to trust them with the truths of the scripture so that they can go and pass those on on purpose to other people. So they would do that. The other thing that they would do is they would appoint spiritual leaders to guide the people of the church. So from among that group, people would rise up 
And they would say that person has the gift of leadership or the ability, and they would appoint that person to start leading the church. And Paul would say things like this, trustworthy saying, if someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. Uh, In the same way, deacons must be respected and have uh, integrity. Elders must be the husband of one wife, must be able to teach. And you go through the scriptures, you'll see the qualifications, but they're identifying leaders and they're raising up those leaders, they're training leaders, and they're raising up those leaders, and then what would happen is this, they would send out those trained leaders with the affirmation of the church leaders to start the process all over again. They would take those people that they train in God's word, they would bring them before what we would call the elders or the leadership of the church, that group of people would affirm the integrity and the motives and the trustworthiness of this group of trained leaders, they would lay hands on them, they would pray over them, and then they would send them out to start another church. When that group went out to start another church, this group would start that process over again, and that group would start that process over again. When that process completed itself, these two groups would send out these leaders and those four groups would start that process over again. And over the course of a thousand years, a couple thousand years, that process has played out millions of times with little churches, with big churches, with ancient churches, with newer churches, and that process, ready, playing out again and again and again and again, that is why disciples making disciples, group making groups, churches making churches, that's why you can walk into a church in Akron, Ohio and say, God changed my life here. That's how that showed up in your life. Is the people of God from the time of the book of Acts looked at the word of God and said, oh, we're supposed to be unified. We don't just exist for ourselves. There's people all over the world that need to know about Jesus. We should train leaders. And then we should affirm those leaders and then we should send them out. And we should do that again and again. And they should do that again and again. And that's how the gospel, the good news of Jesus moves from the ancient Middle East to Northeast Ohio. It's not because there was one big time evangelist or one person on TV. or It's because the people of God took the mission of God and the method of God and repeated it and repeated it, and repeated it, and repeated it. And on their little piece of dirt, and in their little slice of time, they looked at God and said, we will do this as much as you allow us to do this. Ready? That's why you know who Jesus is. Because somebody, countless generations back, thought eternally for you. And they loved you and they, they didn't even know who you were, but they love the people over there in the future enough 
that they would learn, they would go, they would bless, they would finance, whatever it took, so that the message of Jesus would travel forward and the message of Jesus would travel across the globe. You didn't learn about Jesus on accident. Somebody brought you the gospel over time, right? And that's how you know. Who started Grace Church? Didn't you start it, Jeff? No. Who started Grace? You probably don't know. If you do, who started the church that started Grace Church? Who started the church that started the church that started Grace Church? Who started the church that started the church that started the church that started Grace Church? You go back 50 years and you lose sight of the individual but you're able to capture and embrace the gospel because the people of God embrace the mission of God. And it literally, the reason why there's hope for your broken relationship, the reason why there's forgiveness of your sin and you know about it, the reason why you know that you can break out of shame, the reason that you know that God is a chain breaker and he can break the chains of dysfunction and the chains of addiction and, and the chains of your own sinfulness, the reason why you feel the love of community and you feel a brotherhood and you feel a sisterhood and the reason why you know to worship and know God's word is because somebody started a church who started a church who started a church, who started a church, who, and here we are. And Jesus would look at his church and say, see, that's what I mean. I didn't give the church the church. It wasn't a group of people saying, I, we just love being together. It was a group of people saying, we need and want another group of people to have the hope that they are hoping for. Now, at Grace, we call that 30 and 30. That's all that is. That's our title for this biblical work, right? So we just call it 30 and 30. And 30 and 30 is Grace Church looking and saying, God, would you allow us to be used by you to make disciples, to make disciples, to start groups, to start groups, to, to make churches, that make churches? Would you let us do that? Why 30? Well, the honest answer is when I was sitting by my fire praying about this and God kind of gave me this burden, I looked at two things. The important thing I looked at as I was reading the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the foundation off of which all of us receive the work of the church. So I was looking at that and I got to looking at it historically and I realized the book of Acts played at, plays out. When you read the book of Acts, it's covering a span of time of about 30 to 40 years. And so I was like, Lord, if you could do something like that through our church in a 30 or 40 year window that would serve as a foundation for hundreds or even thousands of years if you don't return of the gospel moving forward, that would be incredible. And if we got up every day, and we worked hard and we sacrificed and we trained leaders and we did whatever we had to do to do that, would you give us your hand in doing something like that through us? You did it in the book of Acts. I don't see why you can't do it again. That's the one reason. The other reason was when I was praying about that, I was 42 
And I was like, I probably got about 30 years left. So seven, when I'm 72, June 2nd, this bogue's out. There's some other ones, but this one's out, right? And I was like, Lord, if I wanna get up and I wanna, I wanna work and sacrifice and push every day in my little piece of dirt, my little slice of time. It's the whole reason I'm on the planet. So if I gave my life to it and we gave our life to it, could you do something like you did there? Because they gave their lives to it. A lot of them gave their lives for it. Could you do that? And 30 and 30 is, is not a strategic plan. It's not a reason to have a new vision campaign every three, four years. It's not buildings. It, it, it's, 30 and 30 is just us looking and saying, we need to do this. Can we start churches? Can we raise leaders? And if we actually gave ourselves fully to that, would God bless it? And would he use it in a powerful way? That's all it is. Things like all in, all out, we just call those the next chapter of 30 and 30. So every building we build, every leader we train, every dollar we raise, it just goes into doing this biblical pattern. And we'll look and say over the next three, four, five years, what, what's needed right in front of us to do this? And sometimes it's a building, sometimes it, it's, a, it's a need like that. Most of the time it's leadership development. And I pray that very soon it'll be starting new campuses because these kids have rised up. They're giving their lives to the work. They wanna be sent and we're gonna get behind them and let them go. So sometimes it's like Pastor Ryan. And some of you know him, some of you don't. And Pastor Ryan would, he'd teach all, basically every other weekend here. But we raised him up. Sent him out to start a campus. He took about 200 people with it. Some of you remember Pastor Tony. We raised him up. We sent him down the road. Started, they're just planting churches. So that's why Grace has eight campuses. I don't preach on video at those eight campuses. Those are church plants. We just call them campuses. They're just church plants. It's us doing this pattern in the scripture again and again. Right? We do that as we make disciples and as we make groups. So it all happens simultaneously. So churches, churches shouldn't grow to grow, they grow to send. So when new people come to Grace Church, it's not, oh, look at us, look how amazing we are. I must be, I am, I know I'm sexy, but I didn't know it was that appealing. It's, it's not that. We're looking at saying, as God brings more people, just like I'm doing right now, I wanna invite you into this vision so that we can go do that work and do the things that God has, has called us to. And we wanna go and we wanna plant those churches because we see it in the biblical pattern. We wanna take the news and the love of Jesus to places where it's not clear and it's not easily accessible. And that's the way that the early church always started churches. They would look and they would say, where is a pocket of people that do not know who Jesus is or how much he can affect their life? People, ready? who don't know the stuff that you know, who haven't interacted with God the way that you interacted with God and don't have access to a church like Grace that you have access to. How do we take all of that to them 
and give that to them. And when you try to figure that out, you go back into the scripture and you're like, oh, disciples make disciples. And they raise up leaders and they train those leaders and they trust them with the good news of Jesus so they can go and train other people. And then the leaders of the church pray over them and the body sends them out and you do that again and you do that again and you do that again. And if you do it right, if you do it right, then you get two or three generations out and nobody even remembers that we were involved in it. My prayer is that couple 300 years from now, when some pastor is standing up in front of his congregation trying to help them get their head around this, that he doesn't even know that his roots came from Akron, Ohio. All he knows is that somebody delivered the gospel to him. A church made a church that made a church that made a church. And it showed up in their lives. And it changed their lives, right? Only the church of Jesus can do this work. Uh, when you take business principles and apply it to a church, they don't work. And when you try to franchise a church, it doesn't work. When you try to make a church a, a, a not-for-profit organization, it doesn't work because it has no power. So it's only the, the person of Jesus Christ unifying and motivating the people of Jesus Christ that can make this work. And it's only when you and I and people like us grab hold of this truth and allow it to be our life vision that something like this can work. And this is what the apostle said. He says, but how? How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How, can, how would you ever know who would Jesus was? To believe in him. And how can you believe if they never heard about him? How would you ever know who Jesus was if nobody ever showed up in your life and told you who Jesus was? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? If they're not raised up and trained up and sent out, then none of this shows up in your family room. None of this shows up in front of your kids. Somebody listened to these questions and said, Paul's right, that has to happen. That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Someone looked and said, I wanna be the messenger. I wanna bring the good news. I wanna be a part of it. I wanna play my role. And for some of you, some of you what that means is that God is calling you and he's calling you to start a campus. He's calling you to go to a mission field. He's calling you into some kind of full-time ministry. Some of you, that's what it means. Some of you, what that means is God is calling you to, edu to, a, to training. That's what happened with John. He's got a degree that he'll make a lot more money in. But he's like, I, I, ha I had to, I knew that God was asking me. Some of you, that means that God's calling you to a unity of the church. I don't feel called to go, but I feel called to support. I feel called to lead. I feel called to reach. I feel called to give. That's all part of it. But nobody can hear. Nobody can believe unless they hear. Nobody can hear unless somebody tells them. And nobody's gonna tell them unless the people of God send again. See? 
And it's the people of God reading the word of God from the New Testament to today that have looked and said that is the pattern. And we have to give that pattern again and again and again and again. I have this, uh, somebody told me last week that I'm weird. I know, right? And I, I said, what do you mean I'm weird? And they said, uh, you have a weird perspective on life. And uh, we started talking about that a little bit. And they said, uh, they said, Jeff, you're weird because you've spent your life pastoring people. I've only had one job, so I, I need this job. I'm just saying, I, I have no other skill sets whatsoever, right? So, and it is, a, it is a bit of a weird life, to be honest with you. Ministry is a horrible way to make a living. It's a wonderful way to live. And one of the things that's weird is, because I get to be a pastor, I wind up, interacting with people a lot through the arc of their life. So I, when I got into the ministry, I had, I had no idea how many babies I would hold and how many times I would celebrate with people, you know, the birth of a life. I've done that for many of your children. I, 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 it never registered for me that that was gonna be a thing. And I also had no idea how many friends I would bury. I, bur- I buried hundreds of friends. Not, not strangers, like people I know and love. So because of that, I, I look at life funny, and this is what my friend was telling me. He's like, you look at life funny. I look at life funny because I think about death all the time. And not, not because I'm morbid, I just, I deal with death all the time. It's a, it's a normal part of my life to be with somebody that I love as they die. And over the years, I've done hundreds of funerals and I've done funerals for some of the most horrible human beings that have ever lived. <laughs> where I'm standing, usually with a very few people that feel obligated to be there, and I just don't have much to say. And then I've done funerals for some of the most incredible people that you've ever met. People that just are amazing. And what I found is a couple of things. One, I found that there's not a dollar that's ever gonna cross to the other side with you. Some of the most wealthy people I've ever known are some of the people I've stood by myself at their graveside, me and the undertaker. And some of the poorest people I've ever known are funerals I've done for people that we can't get enough seats in the auditorium. So none of that crosses. Nobody cares about your accolades. Your degrees, your awards, your achievements. 
what's going to happen one day, this happens to everybody, what's going to happen one day is you're going to die, your kids are going to put those in a box, they're going to forget about them. When your kids die, your grandkids are going to pull them out and they're going to throw them away. Which means we should really double click on what we give our lives to. But what I found is this. The people who give their life away, the people who think eternally, those are the people who win. And sometimes they got money, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they were a big deal, sometimes they weren't. None none of that, that all washes out. But it's their kids to stand up and say, you know, my dad was my hero. It's their loved ones who say, you know, my mom, she changed my life. And then the people whose lives they are affected. He took me to golf and he shared Jesus with me. Uh, He gave money toward this. She sat down and had the coffee with me. It's the people who live eternally. And those people, when you stand up at their funeral, you don't have to say anything. Because the message of their life comes through so loud and so clear. And the Bible says when those people stand before the Lord, the message of their life will be loud and clear. And what they did eternally is the only thing that they will be rewarded for in heaven. Now, ready? The same thing is true of churches. One of the biggest church buildings in our city sits vacant. It will just face a bulldozer one day because it all goes away. This building will go away. I'll go away. You'll go away. There's not a local church in the Bible that's still open. It all goes away. These things, just a tool. You use it for a while. When you're done with that tool, it goes away. The money goes away. The budget goes away. The books go away. The programs go away. The buildings go away. The name goes away. Because we're, we got two generations deep and we couldn't even remember what church started this church that started that church. What stays? You tell me, what's his name? Who stays? Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that stays. The message of Jesus is the only thing that stays. And it's the only thing that stays in your life, and it's the only thing that stays in the life of the church, because your life is his and so is his church. 
And Jesus looks at his people and he says, listen, just like I want you to live eternally in your life, I want you to live eternally as a church. Because I wrote it this way, only the gospel advances. That's it. Only the gospel advances. And it advances by disciples, groups, and churches. It has advanced the same way since the beginning. And the churches that gave themselves to that process and the individuals who make up the church that gave themselves to that process, when we stand before the Lord, when I stand before God, God is not gonna look at me and say, Jeff, what was your monthly uh, engagement number? Kind of fun, what kind of fundraising goals did you hit? He give a rip. It's only what happens for eternity. How many people came to know Christ? Who knows Jesus because they know you? What did you do with the opportunities I gave you? I gave you a piece of dirt and I gave you a slice of time. How did you invest it? And those of us who look at Jesus and say, I gave it away. <laughs> I got up every day and I just gave it away. And when I was tired, I gave it away. And when I had extra, I gave it away. And when I didn't have enough, I gave it away. And when I was frustrated, I gave it away. And when I was in a great mood, I gave it away. It's those that he looks at and says, that's, that's what my people do. Now you can rest for the rest of eternity and you can live in opulence for the rest of eternity. But when I sent you into the world to proclaim the gospel, this is what church is. Church is not me. It's not preaching and music and we do those things. It's, 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 it's gathering around the apostles' teachings. But a church is a movement. It's an advancement. And we love each other and we care for each other and we hold those babies and we hold each other when we bury those bodies. But it's not an attendance. It's not a preference. It's not a convenience. And if you know about Jesus, aren't you glad that Christians before you didn't treat it that way? Because the reason you know is because they advance the work the way that Christ showed them to advance the work. All right, band's gonna come out. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray as they settle in. Jesus, we stand before you and we're humbled that we can do that. Lord, I know everyone under the sound of my voice is not your follower yet. But for those of us who are, we stand before you and we stand before you in worship and we stand before you in gratitude 
and we stand before you in reverence and we wanna stand before you in obedience, God. We wanna take what you've given us. You've given us so much for us as individuals in this culture to find you is as, as easy as picking up our phone. And you've given us so much as a church. God, you've given us a unity. You've given us resources. You've given us truth. You've given us each other. You've given us opportunities. And Lord, we don't want to hoard your grace. We don't want to receive it in vain. We don't want to keep your message for ourselves. We want to be a part, God, of this eternal movement of proclaiming your gospel to generation after generation, disciple by disciple, group by group, church by church. So God, would you stir in us anew and unify us anew. It's been a rough couple of years, but we're done. And in this new chapter, in this new day, would you revive us and renew us in those ways and give us a heart, God, that beats after the things that you love and help us to give our lives to the cause that you created.